Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Aiken, and uh, good to be with you. Good to be with Charlotte, who is my adopted sister, and uh, always great to be back at the uh, seminary. Um, Dr. Aiken uh, has a unique uh, talent. Uh, he knows uh, what friendship's all about. And we are the very best friends in the world, and uh, he is right. We um, have already said, if I die first, I'll do your funeral. If you die first, you'll do mine. So I told him even last night, I said, Danny, if you don't come to my funeral, I won't come to yours. So, um, and, and we have this unique prayer. We keep praying the other one goes first. I don't know why that we do that, but we do. But I will tell you, um, I told Teresa yesterday, I was telling her how excited I was to, to come to Southeastern. And she said, well, why are you so excited? You just get so pumped every year when you come to Southeastern. I said, well, it's not Southeastern. I said, the reason I'm so excited is I said, I get to go have dinner with Danny. And she said, well, why is that such a big deal? I said, well, it's the only time he buys. So, um, and the way it works, the way it works is whenever we're not here, uh, we'll get the check and he'll look at me and he'll say, as he pushes the check toward me, this is what best friends are for. So, he knows how to use it. So anyway, Dr. Aiken, we are best friends forever and ever and ever. And I really am honored to be with you. So you guys who are doing PowerPoint, I'm gonna swap up just a little bit. I'm gonna skip some of my introduction. I wanna begin by telling you just a very quick story. Um, I pastored a church called First Baptist Noble for almost 17 and a half years, had a great ministry there. But my first six months were literal pure hell. When I went there, uh, I inherited a church that was mainly liberal. The leadership was liberal. The staff was liberal. Uh, They were not accustomed to strong leadership. They were not accustomed to strong preaching. And uh, frankly, it was just not easy. Uh, The uh, pastor search committee, had they they knew they had problems with staff, and they knew they should have dealt with it, but they wanted to kind of let me deal with it. So my first six months there, and I I don't even have time to go into all the details, but I'll tell you how bad it got. The, The problem got so bad Uh, I began to lose my hair. I developed a blood pressure problem. Uh, I was sweating so badly through my suits before I got to preach. I had to have pads under my my armpits just to hide the salt stains in my suits. Um, I got the most anonymous mail I've ever gotten in my life. And by the way, I've never gotten an anonymous encouraging letter in my life. And uh, I I think Yogi Bear is right. Yogi Bear said, never answer an anonymous letter. So um, I got all these, uh, these anonymous letters, just, I mean, just full of hatred. There was a petition that was being passed around uh, for my removal. 300 people had signed it to have me fired. We're in the middle of a six-month revival. People being saved every Sunday. The church is growing like they've never seen before. And I mean, people hated my insides. Uh, it, it, it was so bad that the Wednesday night before the Sunday business meeting that we were gonna have, uh, where I thought I was gonna be fired, or at least try to be fired, uh, I met with the pastor search committee and they were just being honest. They said, Pastor, we don't know what's going to happen. You may lose your job. We're sorry we got you into this mess. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And um, I, I went home. I got into my basement. I got alone with the Lord. I, I was, it was 7 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. I got on, the, I, I can remember like it happened yesterday, and I was, I was literally weeping. I, I was under such tremendous stress and such pressure. And, and I said, God, if you don't ever speak to me again, I need you to speak to me today. 
And I got out the book of Psalms, and I, I read the entire book of Psalms. It took me from 8 o'clock in the morning until about 7 at night. I read every single word. I had two big stacks of note cards, and I said, God, every, every time there's a word for me, I'm going to write it down. So every time I read something, I thought, that's God's word for me. I wrote it down. I had two big note cards. What had happened was the night before, Wednesday night, when I met the pastor at the search committee, the reason I was driven to my knees is uh, we had this meeting. I was about, lived about seven minutes from church. I pulled into my carport, my, my, my driveway. And when I pulled in my driveway, there's, there's these blue lights going on behind me. There's a Snellville police officer. And he, he gets out of the car. He literally runs up to my car, and he knocks on my door. And I roll the window down. He said, put your hands on the steering wheel. I put my hands on the steering wheel. He said, um, what's the matter with you? I said, well, sir, officer, what are you talking about? He said, have you not been seeing me following you? I said, no, sir, I haven't. He said, you've run two red lights. You've run three stop signs. I've caught you speeding in two different speed zones. What's the matter with you? Are you drunk? And I said, I've never had a drink in my life. He said, are you on drugs? I said, no, I'm not on drugs. He said, give me your driver's license. I gave him driver's license. He looked at it, and he goes, you're James Merritt. Yes, sir. He said, don't move. So he goes back to his squad car, gets in his squad car, sits there for 10 minutes. I don't know what's going on. Teresa comes out. I tell her to get back in the house. I don't know what's going to go on. He comes back, true story, he comes back and he said, Dr. Merritt, have a good evening. I said, that's it? He said, that's it. I said, wait a minute, I'm, you said I ran, he said, oh, you did all those things, but have a good evening. I said, okay, why are you letting me go? He said, well, I just talked to my supervisor. He said, that's Pastor First Baptist Neville. He's in enough trouble as it is, leave him alone. <laughs> I'll say that to say this. I know what it is to be under stress. And I know what it is to be in a seminary trying to pay bills and trying to go to school and some of you trying to raise a family. And, and, and I know what it means to be under a tremendous amount of stress. So as Dr. Aiken so graciously invited me to preach, I thought, you know, I could get up and preach one of these stem winders and get some amens and all that. But Lord, what, what could I say that wouldn't just help the students and the professors and the pastors and the people who are here today. Well, what could I do that, that, that they may need a, a year from now or five years or 10 years or 20 years from now? So what I'm gonna do, and, and you guys help me out on the PowerPoint, I'm gonna skip a lot of what I was gonna say, but I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of Philippians. And I wanna tell you what God taught me in that period of time, because on that Thursday morning, when I spent all that time with the Lord and I started taking notes and I started asking God to give me a word that I really needed, I didn't tell you the end of the story, so I'll be super, super brief. Um, I, kept, I, I took, take, took about 10 of those cards. I still have them with me, by the way, in my desk in my study. Uh, Danny, I'll show them to you sometime. But I, I, I took about 10. Everywhere I'd go, I'd, this devil would attack me. I'd, I'd start sweating. I could feel my blood pressure going up. And there would be a card that I'd say, okay, Lord, you promised. This is your word for me. You promised. Because I was convinced that, you know, one can sound like a thousand, ten can sound like ten thousand, the devil can play mind games. I was absolutely convinced I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get fired. So Sunday night, we're having the big business meeting. We had already had two business meetings since I'd been there. And, you know, we might have a hundred people show up, maybe, maybe 150. And this Sunday night, I drive up, man, they're selling popcorn. They're, they're, they're balloons and carnivals outside. I mean, it's, it's a show. And they're standing room only. They're, they're standing three deep around the wall. Everybody's come to see the pastor get fired. And I remember we baptized 14 people that night. And, and I was, when I opened up the, when he opened up the, we had a curtain, we opened up the baptistry and I see that crowd. My heart just sank. I said, man, it's over. I'm, I'm done. 
So I baptized those 14 people and I walked down the stairs. When I got to the, go into the worship, worship center, my hand's shaking like this. I am pouring sweat. My heart's palpitating. I know my blood pressure is going off the roof because I know I'm going to get fired. I know I'm going to get fired. And then a verse of scripture came for me in the book of Psalms that I hadn't even, hadn't even made the cut in my pocket. And it was one part of one verse, and this is what the verse said. This I know, God is for me. I am not lying when I tell you this, God is my witness. My blood pressure went to normal. My sweat glands dried up. Everything returned to normal. I said, Lord, if they keep me, that's all right. If they fire me, that's all right. I'm not there howling. I'm your shepherd. You called me. You'll take care of me. Walked out, long story short, false alarm. Nothing happened. Everything went well. The other the only thing that did happen the next Sunday, we lost 400 people. But other than that, it was a great week. So I learned in that time how to handle stress like I've never handled it before. And it's all right here in the book of Philippians. So I'm going to share with you four things today. And I normally am not so egotistical to say you ought to take notes. So I don't care whether you do or not, but you might want to today. You might want to write down these four things because there's going to come a time when you're going to face what we all have to face. We all have to face unavoidable pressures. We all have to face unbearable people. We all have to face unexplainable problems. We all do. So what do you do? When you're stressed out, how do you get the stress out? So this is not just preaching. This is not just pop psychology. This is truth. It's God's truth, and it works. Four things. Number one, rejoice in the person of the Lord. Rejoice in the person of the Lord. Here's the first piece of advice, Philippians 4. Here's what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, there are two words that you've got to keep in mind there. There's the word always and the word again. The way the Scripture emphasizes something, they don't put exclamation points. They repeat themselves. When, when Isaiah said God is holy, he didn't say it once. He said it three times. Holy, holy, holy. That was his exclamation point. Hey, get it in your mind. God is holy. Paul is saying, listen to me, pay attention. Always again, rejoice in the Lord. So Paul says, this is not something you do occasionally. It's not something you do on Sunday morning. It's not something you do when things are going good. It's not something you do when you just feel like it. He said, you rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. You rejoice in the Lord when you don't. You rejoice in the Lord when things are going good. You rejoice in the Lord when things are going bad. You rejoice in the Lord when you're happy. You rejoice in the Lord when you're unhappy because joy has nothing to do with happiness. And Paul understood as I do. Now, I get, look, let me just tell you something. It's hard to rejoice when the pressures are great. It's hard to rejoice when problems are tough. And it's hard to rejoice when people are mean. But he didn't say rejoice in your circumstances, because I got news for you. You're going to face a lot of circumstances in your life in the ministry. They're not joyful. They're not going to bring happiness in your life. They're not going to make you light, want to light up a Christmas tree. He said, look, you may be under some circumstances right now that are not really very joyful, but you can rejoice in the Lord. So you may say, well, you know, James, you don't know how great my pressures are. No, I don't, but I'll tell you what I've learned. The Lord is greater than your pressures. But James, you don't know how big my problems are. No, I don't, but the Lord is bigger than your problems. James, you don't know how mean my people are. No, I don't. But the Lord is better than your people. So I want to be clear. 
I'm not telling you to rejoice in your circumstances. You're not going to find a lot of joy in big pressures and tough problems and difficult people, but you can always rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in the greatness of the Lord. You can always rejoice in the grace of the Lord. You can always rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. Now, you can't always choose to be happy. These pop psychologists say, hey, just be happy. You can't always choose to be happy. The reason is very simple. Being happy depends upon your circumstances. Being happy depends upon what happens to you. So if what happens is bad, you're not going to be happy. If what happens is good, you may be happy. But Paul says you can always choose to be joyful. Dr. Earl Hensland wrote a book. It's very fascinating. It's called This Is Your Brain on Joy. He said something so interesting, and it's biblical. He said, joy and worry, anxiety and discouragement travel the same pathway in your brain. Now get this down. Joy and worry, joy and anxiety, joy and discouragement. He said they travel the same pathway in your brain. And he said it's normal for both of them to occupy the same path at the same time. However, he said, we are all born with the ability to choose which one gets the right of way. We have the ability to say, you've got to yield to this. This goes first. So your joy can say to your worry, your joy can say to your discouragement, your joy can say to your anxiety, stop right there. I choose joy. I choose to rejoice in the Lord. And even though Paul was not a psychologist, all truth is God's truth. And this is a psychological truth. You can rejoice in the person of the Lord. Now, I know that's true because of the very next step that Paul gives us. And Paul's a master psychologist, by the way. Each one of these steps builds on the other one. He said, here's step one. You stressed out? Rejoice in the person of the Lord. How do you do that? Take step two. Relax in the presence of the Lord. Rejoice in the person of the Lord. Relax in the presence of the Lord. Paul goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. And then listen to these four words. The Lord is near. By the way, that word gentleness, it's talking about a temperament. It's talking about uh, an attitude. And what that word means, it means to be calm under fire. It means when everybody else is losing their head, you're not losing yours. It's that attitude that says, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to choose faith over fear. I'm going to choose trust over trembling. I'm going to choose worship over worry. And I'm going to do it in such a way that people can look at me and know that I've got this faith and I've got this trust and I've got this confidence that the Lord is near. He said, this is the evidence you give to other people. One of the greatest witnesses you'll ever give to anybody is when those stressful times come in your life, when those financial pressures are hitting you, when you get that anonymous letter, when you're dealing with that cantankerous deacon, you've got that difficult problem. One of the greatest ways you can witness is simply to show, you know what? I'm not going to let it worry me. It is not going to control me. I want my family members. I want my friends. I want my coworkers. I want my neighbors to see. This is how a real Christian handles real problems. We don't freak out. We don't run out. We just remain continuously calm and trustful because we've got the presence of God right beside us. See, here's our problem. And I do this a lot. Look, I'm, I'm preaching to me. You're just getting in the way. Instead of focusing on the problems and the pressures and the people and forgetting about God, 
We should focus on God and let him handle the problems and the pressures and the people. We tend to do just the opposite. We put God on the shelf when we need him most. God says, James, get your eyes off the problems. Get your eyes off the people. Get your eyes off the pressures. I am near you. There are four words you better learn to say to yourself every time you're walking the floor, you're worried sick, your stomach's in a knot, the ghost of worry is haunting your house. Let me tell you four words you better learn to say. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. That word near, by the way, can mean either near in time or near in space. I absolutely, I absolutely believe Paul was talking about the real presence of God in our lives. I was talking to, um, to a student this morning. We had a great time with some students this morning. And I was talking to a student this morning, Dr. George Truitt. You remember, Danny, was the pres- uh, pastor at First Baptist Dallas, Texas. Dr. Truitt was preaching a, um, a, a, sermon, a sermon on New Year's Day one time to First Dallas. And he was talking about the reality of Jesus. And Dr. George Truitt said, Jesus is more real to me than the skin on my flesh and the air that I breathe. Now, I was telling a student today, I've walked with Jesus for over 50 years, and I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is more real to me than you are. He's more real to me than this pulpit. He's more real, more real to me this, this, than this floor. He grows more real to me every single day. It's the same thing the psalmist said. The psalmist said, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. One of the things that gives me comfort every day of my life as I get older and I get closer to going to be with the Lord, one of the things that blesses me is this. I can never get away from him. And he will never go away from me. I can never get away from him. And he will never go away from me. See, we've got it all wrong. The world has it all wrong. We think peace is the absence of conflict. We think peace is when everything is going our way. We think peace is when, hey, I've got no unavoidable pressure. I've got no unsolvable problems. I've got no unbearable people. That's not true. Peace is not the absence of difficulties. Peace is the presence of God. He said, the Lord is near. Listen, let me tell you something. You never face the fire alone. You're never in the battle by yourself. You're not in the foxhole without anybody there. You're not even in danger. And oh, by the way, you will never, listen to me, as long as you know Jesus, as long as there's a God in heaven, you will never be the last man standing. God says, I will be near to you. I will be close to you. So you say, James, you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I'll tell you what I do know. You can rejoice in the person of the Lord. You can relax in the presence of the Lord. But then Paul says this, you can release your problems to the Lord. You can release your problems to the Lord. Now, You're not going to like what I'm about to say, because I'm going to be honest. The first time I read it several times, I didn't like it either. Here's what Paul said. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Can I tell you what, even to this day, still irritates me? My wife does it sometimes, because I'm a worrier. I'm just, that's my, that's an Achilles. I'm a worry ward. I'm like my mom. I got it from my mom. You know what irritates me? Is when you're really worried about something. And some sanctified smart aleck will look at you and say, quit worrying. You just just want to punch them out. Listen, dude, if I could quit worrying, why do you think I'd be worried? I mean, what, can you, is that all you got? And yet, that's exactly what Paul says. He says, hey, are you worried? 
Quit it. Stop it. He says, don't be anxious about anything. As a matter of fact, we're going to put a policy spin on it. Paul says, worry about nothing. Now, I'm exhibit A. That's a lot easier said than done. But you know, there's a reason why we should worry. Jesus told us it's, it's a waste of time. I love this definition of worry. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. It's true. I, I, read, I, I, love, I read a story the other day about a French soldier in World War I. And he carried into battle the best prescription for worry I've ever come across in my life. I want you to listen to what he wrote down. He said this. He said, of two things, one is certain. Either you're at the front of the lines or you're behind the lines. If you're at the front of, if you're at the front of two things, one is certain. Either you're exposed to danger or you're in a safe place. If you're exposed to danger of two things, one is certain. You're wounded or you're not wounded. If you are wounded of two things, one is certain. You're either going to recover or you die. If you recover, there's no need to worry. And if you die, you can't worry. I mean, the guy had it down. He got it. He understood. But now you say, well, James, but how do you keep from worrying? Well, Paul says there is an alternative. And here it is. But in every situation, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So here's what Paul says. Pray about, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. But here's what we tend to do. We worry about everything and pray about nothing. Paul says you got it wrong. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. By the way, those are your only two alternatives. You tell me the biggest problem you've got in your life right now. Just tell it to me right now. You're gonna do one of two things. Worry about it or pray about it. That's the only two things you're gonna do. You're not gonna do a third one. You'll worry about it or you'll pray about it. That's the only two alternatives you had. I read about a man the other day and he went to see a doctor and he walked in and his, both of his ears were severely burned. I mean, they were just black, they were crispy. I mean, they were just almost about to fall off. And the doctor looked at him and he said, man, that's horrible. He said, how did you burn both of your ears? And I said, well, doc, I was in a hurry. I was late for a meeting. I didn't have any shirts to wear. I had to iron a shirt. So I was ironing my shirt and the phone rang and I was so stressed out and I got so confused that I answered the iron instead of the phone. And the doctor looked at him and he said, gosh, man, that's terrible. How did you burn the other ear? He said, he called back. Now, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, you, you liked that, didn't you? Listen, the truth of the matter is, you, you do encounter pressures. You do have problems. you got tough people. But every single time, you're either going to pick up the iron of worry, or you're going to pick up the phone of prayer. And Paul is dealing here with reality. He says, look, the fact is every single time we're stressed, we got a choice. We can try to carry that pressure. We can try to solve that problem. We can try to deal with that person on our, on our own, or we can give every single one of them to God. So when the waves of worry flood your mind and the tornado of trouble is tearing at your soul and the hurricane of heartache is pounding at the door of your heart, Paul said, there is a God who is near and there is a God who is whispering in your ear, give this to me. I've got this. I can take care of this. I have a 100% success rate. 
I mean, have you ever, listen, have you ever gotten so discouraged, so distressed, so defeated, so depressed? Have you ever just thrown up your hands and looked up to God and said, God, I just can't handle this. You know what God says? You are exactly right. You can't. I never said you could. I can. I always said I would. Paul said, just release your problems to the Lord. And oh, by the way, he said, then he really sticks the knife in. He says, do it with thanksgiving. Excuse me? Yeah, do it with thanksgiving. You may say, James, wait a cotton-picking minute, dude. I got the pressures, I got the problems, I got the people. Now you're telling me to be thankful? Absolutely, because you can always be thankful that no matter how great the pressure, how difficult the people, how hard the problem, God loves you enough to care about them, He is powerful enough to handle them, and He's wise enough to grow you through them. There was a lady in an old country church. They were having a testimony time. Back when we were kids, they had testimony time in the church. So it was Thanksgiving, it was Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. The pastor said, anybody got anything to be thankful for? The oldest lady in the church, Mrs. Jones, she was 98 years old. She was all the way in the back of the church. She stood up, she said, preacher, I got something I'm thankful for. He said, yes, ma'am, Ms. Jones, what that? She said, I only have two teeth, but thank God they meet. So you can always be thankful for something, all right? He says, do it with Thanksgiving. Now, here's the last thing, we're done. So what do you do? Man, I'm stressed out. How do I get the stress out? He's already told us. But then he says this last thing. Rest in the peace of the Lord. Rest in the peace of the Lord. He says, if you're stressed out, God will help you get the stress out. God will help you arrest stress so you can be at rest without stress. And here's what will happen. Listen to this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say this. We're going to wrap this up. God's peace is the only peace that can come from God. And it's the peace that only God can give that will be a guard over your heart and your mind that stress cannot penetrate. See, this is not the kind of temporary peace that people find in a pill or they find in a bottle or they find in sex or they found in fame or they find in fortune because that peace never lasts. Paul says, this is a peace that can't be bought, it can't be borrowed, it can't be stolen. It's not found anywhere else except in God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I am one satisfied customer. So you want to get the stress out when you're stressed out. And I want you to lead with this. I want you to use your minds for a minute. I want you to imagine in your mind right now three boxes Okay, so in your mind, you've got these three boxes. One box over here is labeled worry. The next box over here is prayer. And the third box is thanksgiving. So you got these three boxes. They're with you all the time. So you got these boxes, worry, prayer, and thanksgiving. Here's what Paul says. In the worry box, put nothing. In the prayer box, put everything. In the thanksgiving box, put anything. And Paul says, if you will learn in your life to worry about nothing, pray about everything, be thankful in all things, 
you'll find that when you are stressed out, God will take the stress out. Let's pray together. Lord, I have no idea who this message was for today. The only thing I do know is when my best buddy in the world asked me to come and speak at this fantastic school, that almost immediately when my Callie called my assistant and said, Pastor, what do you want to preach? You laid this on my heart. So I pray, Heavenly Father, not just today, but Lord, there will be a time. It will come to these preacher boys, to these missionary ladies, to these people who will go and serve on church staffs, to these people who will travel around the world with the gospel. Yes, there are going to be times because nobody is exempted. Not even Jesus was exempted. There's going to be those pressures. There's going to be those problems. There's going to be those people. We're going to be at the end of our rope. Our last nerve is done. We've got no other reserves in the tank. Lord, help us to remember at that point, worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Be thankful in all things. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and mind because it's by the one who's made a promise that's never failed from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. He will work everything out for our good and for his glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.